Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Totally Well Show. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. The Totally Well Show is a place where we get curious, ask questions, and explore everything to do with health, wellness, fitness, personal development, helping people, and all the things it takes to help you live a strong, joyous life. My guest today is Lynn Delgadio, who is an integrative health coach. She is the author of Altered on Impact, and also a motivational speaker. She uh, has a brilliant uh, story, and I've shared that with her in my other podcast, Rock Bottom Syndicate. In this one, we're going to get into what she did to uh, heal herself and rewire her brain, including her framework of impact imperatives, which include observation, awareness, continual learning, elevated emotions, appreciation, repetition, practice, and commitment and discipline. So go ahead, dive into the show. Let us know what you think. Make sure you visit Rock Bottom Syndicate as well. Reach out to me. I love questions and I love to connect. Enjoy the show. Hello, Lynn. How are you today? Hey, good. How are you, Joyce? I'm good. Thanks for coming on Totally Well. Um, I have had you on Rock Bottom Syndicate and told your story that I learned from your book, and to get the title, I altered on impact. So you had a brain injury um, and you had a lot of life lessons and a, an entire career um, happen from that one um, moment in time. Yep. Yeah. Um, and thanks for having me today. Um, oh, you're welcome. Um, yeah. So altered on impact. Um, so I was out on having a great run, an eight mile run, a sunny North Carolina day. Great day. And, um, I just decided, you know, and I'm feeling so good. I'm going to go do lift some weights. And I went to the little gym at the community where I lived and, um, went to do some lat pull downs, um, where you sit and there's a metal bar overhead and mm -hmm. you set the weight. And I had about 80 pounds loaded and I was, you know, pulling and then I'm one of the pull downs, those pulleys above snapped and the metal bar came crashing into my head. So yeah, big brain injury, um, neck injury. Um, and then the, sh the impact because of the seat position caused a hyper shifting in my low back, which resulted in the formation of a system, my spinal cord, which sent electrocution like pain into my left calf and sometimes all throughout my all, every limb. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was a very long road. Um, but the initial, the initial healing is really what led me on this path of unexpected, like amazing healing journey, which completely changed my life. Um, so in those early um, stages of healing, the first six, eight, I don't remember six or eight weeks, but mm -hmm. I was just a, no stimulation allowed. It was just no light, no sound, no music, no TV, you know, blinds shut, no phone. So I was just there with my thoughts and I didn't know anyone in the area, but so people would call just to say, how are you doing? But it was amazing to me how so many people would go right into anger and aren't, you should be so mad. You not, you're never going to run again. And like, I had no idea how bad the injury was because mm -hmm. I had a bad brain injury that was keeping me from realizing that. But, but I do remember that like when I heard their anger, it literally, my, I would feel my brain swell inside my head and I would get eye pain and nausea and dizziness. Like I was re-traumatizing my brain mm -hmm. and I thought, wow, I, that hurts. Like I can't, 
I can't have that, you know? And, mm -hmm. and then, you know, after the first three or four weeks, my medical bills were already $20,000. And I remember thinking, well, I, I can't let that, I can't think about that because I, right now my priority is healing my mind. And I knew in, somehow intuitively that in order to heal my body, I would have to heal my mind. I didn't realize again, I didn't know I had such a bad low back injury at the time. I knew I had a neck and a, and a TBI. Um, but I remember thinking, well, it became very evident to me when I think bad thoughts or, or have allow negative stress to enter my field, I physically feel bad. Mm -hmm. And when I think nothing at all, or maybe something nice like a puppy or the ocean, you know, um, I feel good. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first epiphany. When I think bad thoughts, I feel bad. And when I think good thoughts, I feel good. And I prefer to feel good. That mm -hmm. was a no brainer, literally. <laughs> and then and I there might, maybe there's something about the injury itself that made you more acutely aware of those subtleties because I think some of us are so sick, you know, we're just living in a compromised state that we don't even know we feel crappy. We don't know, we can't discern those differences. So maybe that was the first miracle that it was, it was, it was because I had, I had automatic feedback from my body yeah, yeah. saying, no, 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 bad thought. We're responding. Yeah. You know, every time we have a thought, we have a chemical reaction in a body and a corresponding feeling and emotion. Yeah. I was getting instantaneous feedback that because of the state of my brain and body, I, I felt it. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, it still happens when we have stressful thinking. It's still happening in our body, but we're so desensitized. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. It's a normal way to go through life, and it's not. Yeah. And then I realized that I don't have to wait for something negative to be, you know, replace it. Like on uh, Sound of Music, you know, when something, I simply remember my favorite things. And like, if they have bad thoughts, she's like, no, replace it with the good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every, every hour, every minute of every day, even when there's not, even when we think there's not negative thinking, because there is in the background, we get to pick what we want to talk, think about. Yeah. So right now I'm not thinking anything. I'm having such a good time here. I'm not really thinking that I know of any negative thoughts in my program, but right now I'm going to think about a puppy. Hmm. You know, like we can just pick what we want to think about. Yeah. We have the power to do that. So by thinking positive thoughts, we can control what emotions and feelings we experience in a given day. That was like mind blowing mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. So that was the beginning of your coming up with um, a whole healing technique and growth technique. Yeah. yeah. And so the first thing obviously was awareness because I was just alone with my thoughts. I had no choice to just to become aware. And I remember hearing my heartbeat was so irregular after the uh, injury. I remember just going, huh, that's an irregular heartbeat but I didn't attach any meaning. I was just being an observer. In your book, is that what you're calling your impact? That principle? impact imperatives. Imperatives. Impact yeah, imperatives. So imperative meaning these are absolutely requisite. If you want to enact your, yeah, impact imperative, they're kind of peppered throughout the book. And, and six. 
Huh? There's six. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some, I could argue there, you could consolidate learning and repetition into one, but there's six in the book. So the first is always awareness always, because without that, we can't shift anything. We can't change anything. But when I kept like creating these exercises, I realized that I was kind of moving into this state of bliss and appreciation. And it was such an amazing place to be in. And so the more I practiced, the more I was like, well, I want to come up with exercises for appreciation because it feels really good to be in that state. And um, one of my favorites is alphabet soup where I like, I start out by just like kind of thanking the universe and my place within it. And then I literally go through the alphabet and I say one word of appreciation for each letter of the alphabet. So um, thank you for appreciating, bestowing, clarifying, you know, developing, enlightening, fulfilling, guiding me, helping me like, through every and then I try it in Spanish and uh, <laughs> it's really fun you know and yeah. uh, and the more I felt better the more I was like this is too much fun I want I'm gonna create more so then I was then I would like turn on YouTube and I remember when I turned on YouTube in the for the first time ever two years into the process hearing this guy Joe Dispenza who's like now my idol and he was like describing all the neuroscience behind why everything I was doing was working for me. I was like, my mind was blown because I'm like uh, there to four. I thought, well, lucky me, I am healing myself and feeling really good as like better than ever, Better, I felt better than I did in my whole life. Thanks. You know, thankfully I was lucky enough to think these things up. No, there's science behind it. So then I was like, man, I have got to write a book, but yeah, the, so awareness, appreciation, learning and then repetition meaning practice what you're learning yeah eat what you're learning you know um and there's a really the the way i, I want to make sure we have time to get into the practicing um yeah. juxtaposed with the emotion how important that is yeah i was just gonna say uh, so emotion is, is the next one and then commitment's the final one but emotions are so important so when you've got some intention of what it is what your goal is what i want to be a better person or i want my body to heal i want to feel healthy mm-hmm. and it's you can't say I don't want to be in pain because then you introduce pain into the equation, Mm -hmm. but I want a healthy body, keeping it positive. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I would just meditate. I was able to envision like in full sensation, what that felt like in my body, like what my, what my emotions were that corresponded to that intention. Mm -hmm. So like some people will say, well, I do affirmations all day and nothing's changing. It's because all you're doing is saying, I'm, successful on this. Um, like you have to feel it in your body. You have to like kind of, you know, like what, if you're a real estate developer and you're looking over the landscape and envisioning the the subdivision you're going to be building and all, you know, you can see the whole picture and that's what you kind of have to do in your, in your body is, is feel it. Cause your body does not know if an event has taken place. I keep going to my low back cause I used to play this on my low back. Mm-hmm. Your body doesn't know if whatever it is that event has taken place or you're just fabricating it in your mind. So when people say, oh, it's just your imagination, your imagination is way underrated. We need to use that a whole lot more in our lives and to imagine what things could be, not think about what's going on now 
and what the past was. No, it's all about the future. And one person said, well, that's really counter because I'm supposed to think like it be in the present. In my view, I want everyone to be in the future, believing about that future vision, because by the time we recognize the present, it's already in the past. Yeah, I think in your book, you have a diagram of the, the, uh, the way thoughts work and, and the externally controlled versus the quantum view. Yeah. Um, and I, and I love that, that thinking and, and the, what I keep coming back to, cause I'm, you know, I'm a nurse trained in the sciences and biology and psychology, and I feel really safe there. Like I want to know why this works, you know, yeah. you're saying it works. I believe you, but why it's got to, I got to have at least a sense that, yeah, there's, there's science behind this. And so what you're describing is memory, right? It's like, laying down neural pathways, yes. um, tying the thought, the statement you're making to the emotion you're feeling. Is that yes. why that's so important? Yes. And, you know, memory is very interesting. And so a lot of these negative thoughts that are running in our program and science suggests we have 70 to 1,000, 80,000 thoughts a day, most of them negative and many of them really? tied to a past event, which triggers an emotion. Mm-hmm. And every, t- and, and so in, in memory and, we're creating new memories in the body and the repetition that that imperative is so important because you're really, we're talking about rewiring the brain because our neurocircuitry is pretty set by the time we're 30 or 35. And because of all these beliefs that we've, you know, created all, all through our lives that our, our thoughts create beliefs, which create, um, maybe I'm not saying it right. I'm not a psychology person, but, um, that really shape our, 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 attitudes and our behaviors and our actions mm-hmm. and inform how we're going to act in a given day. And when we really, we, so it's kind of like what, you know, when you're um, a pro NFL player or a concert pianist, you're practicing, 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 repeating every single day until it's like automatic. Mm-hmm. That's what I've kind of did in this process is I was practicing all these things and, you know, in appreciation and elevated emotions and, and new learnings. Um, until a lot of this, like a state of bliss became automatic instead mm-hmm. of negativity. And now I had new memories. And now I was drawing on the memory of, oh, remember that day when I was walking down the street doing my alphabet soup exercise and I was in this, I, I want to feel that again. Like, so replacing new amazing memories with thought. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think of um, things that I've I've done as you're talking. I'm like, well, I learned to skate later in my life. I was almost fifty, and um, play hockey. So I had a, a I had this desire to learn something new, and that makes sense to me. Like I know how long I had made the decision that it was possible because I have five kids who all did it, and I'm like, they came from me. It must be possible. <laughs> I overcame that, and then I overcame. Um, uh, the, the timeline, I'm like, it's just a matter of doing it consistently every day and every time trying something a little bit harder. So I applied that to it, but it didn't occur to me that I could do the same practice with how I feel with a thought, you know, with some of the things that you've applied it to. Yeah. So for example, people will come in to see me for nutrition and weight loss and they want to come in and, and I'm like, well, it really has little to do with food. It has much more to do with what you think about yourself or even pain. Like you talk about pain and the ability to 
change some of those memories in your brain of how it's perceiving old pain mm-hmm. and perceiving pain differently or not having pain. Yeah. And, and uh, there's one weekend where, um, I just decided I'm going to meditate for three hours Friday, four hours Saturday, and three hours Sunday. Yeah. And I remember Monday going, oh, my God, I've been out of pain for two whole days. Yeah. Because you're calming those receptors down. You're, you're just – you're really calming your brain. Your body believes everything you tell it. So if you're constantly thinking about your problem, about your pain, it's only, you're exacerbating that pain. You're sending more and more and more signals. Um, and so – um, you know, we are greater than our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, by you going back to skating, you really were saying, I'm challenging that thought that says, why can't I can't, maybe I can't do that to why can't I do that? Like it's, mm-hmm. it was a shift. Right. And then we're only as, and we're all powerful. I believe that if I've learned anything, we're all very powerful beings but we're only as powerful as we think we are. So we got to get over that thought that, you know, we rely on external forces and we live conditionally on others. And we rely, you know, sometimes we do, we have to rely on doctors for certain things, but even then trust in your own voice mm-hmm. because they make mistakes too. Mm-hmm. No, but we are a very powerful. And I, I really feel like we've, we've just given so much of our power away to, to so many things. Um, and we, we should always be number one and trust in our own abilities to, um, and, and if you don't like the, I know I'm going on a tangent. If you don't like what, if something is telling you that's, it doesn't feel right with it. I know they're in person authority and they've studied all their life in, to be a doctor, but if something doesn't sit right with you, find someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, trust that because you've got to be your own advocate. Your body is telling you it's an indicator that something's off. Trust it. Yeah, yeah. I definitely went through that in my journey where um, I the, the, I couldn't tell you what the science was behind it. It was it was just I don't believe this person. That's like I guess that's how you know. I, I they're saying these words, but there's something about how they're saying it that I'm feeling like they're selling me that this just doesn't, it's just not the truth. Right. Um, it's somehow, I guess that's what it came down to for me, but trusting the body and, and what it does for me is get, gets me to get more information. I need more information. I'm not going to stop with you. So right. I, I guess maybe not completely dismissing that person, but I need corroboration. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, and as far as science, I mean, <sighs> I guess I am in, in ex, we're all science experiences. Yeah. yeah. Or experiments, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm my own scientific experiment. <laughs> so what are some of the things that you help people with? I'm really curious, excuse me, about your coaching, the way you work with people, the kinds of things people come to you for and how you help them. So recently it was really interesting. Um, out of the blue, I, I thought this woman was coming to me and she was, she was coming for a very specific reason. But in the first um, meeting, she said, well, I really want you to help me with my tennis game because I haven't won a tiebreaker in almost five months. And I thought, well, <laughs> I'm not a sports psychologist. Well, okay. 
these principles should apply, right? Yeah. So yeah. I was, we were talking about, well, how does it feel when you're winning? And how does it feel in your mind? What are you thinking? How does it feel in your body? You know, do you feel like invincible? Do you feel like what I want you to describe the characteristics and the corresponding emotions? Yeah. And I said, okay, you're about to do the tiebreaker. What's happening? And she described something very different. Her, her mind immediately shift, shifted into, what if I don't win? And her body tensed up which you can't have that if you're going to win a tennis, like you, you've got, you know, st so we were this goes back to one of the one of the um, exercises in your book, right? Yeah. A couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. There was uh, one of the charts in there where it's like, um, I want you to, there were two charts that were kind of similar, like dream vacation. What are the characteristics? And then how does that feel? Okay. Um, so, you know, and then envision yourself, let's work on this. And then, um, and take that shifting and then look at the, look at the thought itself. When you enter going into the tiebreaker, mm -hmm. take that thought and shift it, give yourself some time, give yourself a few minutes and shift it and then get that elevated motion, that court, that corresponding motion that's in alignment with that thinking mm -hmm. and get there in your body. And let's, so we worked on that a little in session and then three days later, and there were a few other things, but those were two of the big ones. And then three days later, she sent me a text saying, um, I just won my first tiebreaker. And then the next week she said, I just won four more. Wow. So, <laughs> but she put this into practice every day. She was practicing this and getting into that mindset of I'm a winner. I'm a win. I'm winning. I'm, I, or imagining what it was to have already won so that her body could think that it's already in process. I'm already winning these tiebreakers. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, I, like you, you were saying, because of everything I've gone through, um, I, I feel like I'm always starting with, okay, I want to know all your goals. I want to know what you want to accomplish in this three or six month program, but I need to understand where this is at because if you have had these goals for years and years and years, you would have already achieved them unless there's some, there's some resistance there, yeah. right? Otherwise you would have gotten to, you would have achieved them already. Um, so there's something blocking you. And I don't care if it's, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lender and I'm not making as many loans because we've got this new system and I'm, I've got resistance and I'm not good with change and I'm a, a good problem solver. So th these principles can apply if you want to have a better career, if you want to be more productive mm -hmm. um, in your career, or if you want to, I don't care what goal it is. I want to eat healthier. I want to, you know, I don't want to drink as much wine at night. I don't care. There's something blocking you. we got to work on that first. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but I have, sh I, this, these impact imperatives really go a long way because they really help to rewire the brain. And that's really key for lasting habit change, right? Is really making this automatic, getting to the autonomic nervous system so that it's almost, it not almost, so that it is like riding a bike, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We want to make this new, new goal habitual. We want to get it into the subconscious. And that's why a lot of these programs, you know, they don't work 100% because someone will go through a program or maybe a company will have a three-day leadership retreat with, you know, drinks and dinner and like pep rallies. And then everybody goes back to their normal life. And four hours later, they're back to their old habits because no one's addressed changing the subconscious, getting into the subconscious. Mm -hmm. And that's a so whole. They know it intellectually. They know intellectually the concept, but they're not 
they're not feeling it. Exactly. And this is the problem with what I call shelf help books, because <laughs> you can cognitively understand something and that is way different than getting it into the program. So you could read a book and get and feel inspired and go, oh my gosh, this is making so much sense. Yeah, it is cognitively, but now what? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so much what Joe Dispenza teaches, right? When you point to your head, you point to your head and you say, there's something here we need to start with and there's some resistance. And I, I get stuck there. What is that? What are we talking about? So that's all the negative thinking going through every day in your subconscious. That So for instance, if you've got a big project in front of you, you've got all this paperwork and you take and you like put it aside. Mm -hmm. Something just happened. Like, why are you not attacking it? Mm -hmm. You've got a job to do. Why did you just take that and say, I, I can't do that? Or if you say to yourself, um, I'm going to this New Year's resolution, I'm going to go to the gym. And after two weeks, you say, I can't do that. You just stop going. Why? What, what just happened? If you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you feel anxiety, mm -hmm. you're just thinking something. Because those thoughts are something. To, let me give you an example. Um, I had, it was post-merger, and I'm walking around, my, I was working it from home, and I'm look, walking um, toward my computer, and I got just so much anxiety, and mm -hmm. I thought, whoa, it was very high anxiety, and I went, wow, I've got to put this down and pay attention. What on earth was I just thinking? And I remember going, wow, I'm terrified about this deadline. And I was like, okay, what is it about the deadline you're afraid of? And so there's a limiting belief in there somehow. It's a, And most are based in fear and lack. This one was about based in fear mm -hmm. initially. A little bit of lack we'll learn. But what is it about the deadline? I think I might miss it. Well, what if I miss it? Well, they might not like me at the new bank. Well, what if they don't like me? Well, they might fire me. So what if they fire you? Well, then I might not have a paycheck. So what if you don't have a paycheck? Well, then I won't be able to pay my bills. What if you can't pay your bills? And then on and on until then, I might be alone and homeless and unloved. And then you start laughing because you're like, how ridiculous is that? Let's reality test. Have you ever missed a deadline? Not that I recall, but if I did, it didn't make a difference. <laughs> Have you ever been out of a job? Yeah. Were you unable to pay the bills? Nope. Have you ever been homeless? No. So where does this thought come from? It's just fear yeah. that is based in nothing. It's created. It's fr it's from it's from long ago when we were little, something happened, we internalized something it went right into the program of so for instance, and because when you're and I go into this in the book, but before you're before you get to about the age of 7, we're all walking around in alpha theta mode. We're in imagination. We don't know what, you know, the analytical mind is. We don't understand no baby yet. We're just, we just internalize things. So if Johnny does bad on the spelling bee and he tells his parents and he's like, you know, five years old and they're like, well, next time you're just going to get a hundred percent. And Johnny, well, don't worry about it. But next time, a hundred percent, they're trying to set him up for success and keep him focused on doing better. But in his mind, he hears, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. What if I don't do well on the next spelling bee? I've disappointed them. I'm a failure. And all these things go right into his program because he doesn't have that conscious mind to go, wait a minute. 
you know, to animal, it's, it just goes in the program. Yeah. And then every thing, time something happens over our life that reinforces that, it just re, it just makes those, that circuitry in the brain even harder because mm-hmm. neurons that fire together, wire together. So now, you know, here I am older in life and I'm like, ah, I might miss this deadline and all these memories and related emotions are in my head creating momentum and my body is screaming at me with anxiety saying something's out of alignment. Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. feels like, like on your phone now, these days, the operating system, you're constantly doing an upgrade to the something point something. And, um, those, and as you were talking about that, I'm like, wow, did she know about that situation when I was, I I think I must've been in first grade. So five, six years old. And I remember standing in the kitchen in my house and tearing up my, I think it was a spelling test. It was some kind of a test. You know, they grade kids, right? And I remember ripping it into the smallest pieces and my mother caught me and I was crying because I only had a 99 on this test. And that really, I mean, I can feel it now. I can feel the emotion of how inadequate I felt and how I interpreted that. Yeah. And she laughed and was like, no, that's a good grade. And, you know, but I had interpreted if it's not perfect, then it's fail. Right. And, you know, the Jesuits had the saying something like, I might misprint it to say it, but something like, show me the boy by the age of seven and I'll show you the man. Because they understood yeah. that you're, you're going to be who you are by the age of seven. Now, we have the power to, to change. We do not have to be, you know, whatever. If we're in a state now that we don't like, we have the power to change it. Um, and it, it just takes time and it takes work. And I like to think of work as an acronym for where our realities kindle. Because if you do do the work, there's no way a new reality will not ignite within you. And so we do We do all have the power. And we're always going to have this negative thinking in the program. It's always there. But the point is, you're going to be able to, if you like do the exercises, you're going to be able to understand, oh, that's negative thinking again. I got this. Is that all you got for me, brain and mind? I Because thank you for showing up, but I'm going this way with that. You know, so it's just about catching it and shifting it and coping with it and learning all these tricks to, um, you know, just rewire your, your brain for a new, new reality. 